anything but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us in the Word of God to begin with in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead a nation with so many people that, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. 
That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. Verses 1 through 22, Hebrews chapter 11. Father, thank you once again for your word, your word which is a book of faith, a book of wisdom, a book of power. Thank you for how that your word from Genesis to Revelation teaches us, empowers us, and equips us to be a people who live by faith, who live, function, speak, act, and and do all that we do by a life of faith. Thank you for the opportunity for us to live daily so that daily your word equips us to be the people of faith you've called us to be. Father, more and more empower each of us to be faithful hearers and doers of your word who are faithfully listening to you, following you, and serving you. We thank you. and We praise you for your word. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Our producer is Isaac Jackson. Isaac is going to lead us in a word of prayer at this time. Hey, Father, uh, thank you so much for these moments. And Father, I ask that you'd speak through Pastor Joseph this morning. Father, I ask that you'd speak through your scriptures. And I ask that you'd speak intimately and deeply to our hearts. Father, I ask that you would raise up a nation, raise up a peoples, raise up a church that desires more faith, that we'd live out our faith, that we'd be active in it, and that we wouldn't uh, be passive, that we wouldn't slumber, that we wouldn't sleep. Father, I ask that you'd Put, move us into momentum, into action, uh, in following your word and in following believing in you. In your holy name, amen. 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 Thank you, Isaac. And thank you again for being a part of our listening family. I want to make a special request, a prayer request to all of our listeners about, well, actually a couple of projects that we have coming up. Uh, I want to share a bit of a my own personal journey on this as we begin, but uh, I've had the priv- privilege of being a pastor for uh, pretty close to f- right, right at about 48 years, and it's a, it's been a joy and a privilege to be able to preach the Word of God, and I've served a number of congregations in different communities in the South, and I would mention that it was back in the early 90s that the Lord did what I, I would call kind of a special work in my heart and my life, and put, I guess you'd call it sort of a mantle on me about addressing the life issue. And so pastorally, I've been involved with standing for life and against the tragedy of abortion for a pretty long time now, just about three decades. And I would mention that back in 2007, the Lord put it on my heart to to write a stage play, a pro-life stage play, which actually is, you could call it a Christian education stage play as well. It covers the Ten Commandments, but it clearly and emphatically addresses the life issue in a very clear, upfront, family-friendly way. 
And we wrote a stage play, and by the grace of the Lord brought together a, a drama group, and we began to perform the play and traveled and performed it, and by the grace of God, ended up doing over 32 live performances. And it was by God's grace that we did that. We did the performances in Tennessee, Mississippi, Alabama, and Georgia. And uh, but uh, and actually a few years uh, few years after that, I went back and finished my uh, seminary degree. And a part of a project we did in seminary was to um, take the stage play as recorded on video and make it into incorporate it into a movie project that we did during seminary. So that too was an interesting part of our journey as well. Well, it's been a few years since our drama group has performed the play. I would mention the name of the play is Rev Riding in the Hood. It's a comedy drama which may not make much sense at all unless you see it, but it's the way the Lord gave it to me. But again, it's been a few years since we performed the play, but by the grace of God, we're very grateful for this, uh, uh, a local uh, university in our North Mississippi, Blue Mountain Christian University is going to be performing the play that we wrote. Uh, I wrote. I should mention, I wrote it along with my daughter's help, uh, Elizabeth Danielle Parker. She uh, assisted us in writing it. And um, But Blue Mountain Christian University will be performing the play. And so I want to ask your prayers for the Lord to anoint just the uh, process as they're doing rehearsals, casting rehearsals, that sort of thing. Please pray for it because... It is also a discipleship project, very much so. Our hope is that every student, every person that's a part of the uh, production will end up saved and filled with the Holy Spirit before it's all said and done. And we ask that you pray for every performance. And our goal is probably, I expect probably after we're done doing the uh, production on the campus, that we'll end up taking it back on the road again. So please pray for the whole project, pray for the performances, pray for the students to be saved and for their lives to be transformed as they participate in this project, and pray for the performances that there would be times for people to be saved, to be edified, encouraged, revived in their faith, and empowered to be uh, life-minded as God would have them to be. So if you would pray with us about that, we would very much appreciate that. And of course, on an ongoing basis, I would mention too that we ask that you please continue to pray for the pregnancy ministry that the Lord uh, led my wife and I, Birdie, to begin. It's called the Pregnancy Care and Hope Center Ministry. It is up and running in the Mississippi Delta, doing a wonderful job. God has brought together a beautiful staff of precious young women that are dedicated and doing a great job with that ministry. So please pray for the Pregnancy Care and Hope Center Ministry as well. I want to just mention too, if you'd like to, well, I, I should mention too, this play project actually is going to be, a, a one of its goals is also to be a fundraising tool to help raise funds for the Pregnancy Care and Hope Center ministry. And I want to invite you, if you would like to get a copy of the movie uh, that we made on the, in this project, again, the title of the play is Rev Riding in the Hood, the movie itself, which incorporates the play is entitled Raggedy Bibles, actually. If you'd like to get a copy, uh, please email me. We'll tell you how you can do that. And also, uh, that would be a way that you can be supportive of both this project and the Pregnancy Care and Hope Center ministry. So if you'd like to be a part, simply email me at joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. And if you want to get a copy of the movie, let us know. And we'll tell you how to do that and how you can support the ministry with your prayers and your finances further as well. So we look forward to hearing from you. 
Today we're picking up reading through the Word of God, and it's our privilege to share God's Word once again. Picking up in the Old Testament, the book of 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. Now David's son Absalom had a beautiful sister named Tamar, and Amnon, her half-brother, fell desperately in love with her. Amnon became so obsessed with Tamar that he became ill. She was a virgin, and Amnon thought he could never have her. But Amnon had a very crafty friend, his cousin Jonadab. He was the son of David's brother, Shemia. One day, Jonadab said to Amnon, What's the trouble? Why should the son of a king look so dejected morning after morning? So Amnon told him, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Well, Jonadab said, I'll tell you what to do. Go back to bed and pretend you are ill. When your father comes to see you, ask him to let Tamar come and prepare some food for you. Tell him you'll feel better if she prepares it as you watch. Excuse me. Tell him you'll feel better if she prepares it as you watch and feeds you with her own hands. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be sick. And when the king came to see him, Amnon asked him, Please let my sister Tamar come and cook my favorite dish as I watch. Then I can eat it from her own hands. So David agreed and sent Tamar to Amnon's house to prepare some food for him. When Tamar arrived at Amnon's house, she went to the place where she, she went to the place where he was lying down so he could watch her mix some dough. Then she baked his favorite dish for him. But when she set the serving tray before him, he refused to eat. Everyone get out of here, Amnon told his servants, so they all left. Then he said to Tamar, Now bring the food into my bedroom and feed it to me here. Verses 1 through 9, 2 Samuel chapter 13. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we're reading through the Word of God. We'll be right back.
the music of Hillsong with Oceans. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We continue now reading through the Word of God as we pick up, continuing in the Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter 13, picking up at verse 6. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be sick. And when the king, and when the king came to see him, Amnon asked him, Please let my sister Tamar come and cook my favorite dish as I watch. Then I can eat it from her own hands. So David agreed and sent Tamar to Amnon's house to prepare some food for him. When Tamar arrived at Amnon's house, she went to the place where he was lying down so he could watch her mix some dough. Then she baked his favorite dish for him. But when she set the serving tray before him, he refused to eat. Everyone get out of here, Amnon told his servants. So they all left. Then he said to Tamar, Now bring the food into my bedroom and feed it to me here. So Tamar took his favorite dish to him. But as she was feeding him, he grabbed her and demanded, Come to bed with me, my darling sister. No, my brother, she cried. Don't be foolish. Don't do this to me. Such wicked things aren't done aren't done in Israel. Where could I go in my shame? And you would be called one of the greatest fools in Israel. Please, just speak to the king about it, and he will let you marry me. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her, and since he was stronger than she was, he raped her. Then suddenly Amnon's love turned to hate, and he hated her even more than he had loved her. Get out of here, he snarled at her. No, no, Tamar cried. Sending me away now is worse than what you is worse than what you've already done to me. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her. He shouted for his servant and demanded, Throw this woman out and lock the door behind her. So the servant put her out and locked the door behind her. She was wearing a long, beautiful robe, as was the custom in those days for the king's virgin daughters. But now Tamar tore her robe and put ashes on her head. And then with her face in her hands, she went away crying. Her brother Absalom saw her and asked, Is it true that Amnon has been with you? Well, my sister, keep quiet for now, since he's your brother. Don't you worry about it. So Tamar lived in a desert so Tamar lived as a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house. When King David heard what had happened, he was very angry. And though Absalom never spoke to Amnon about this, he hated Amnon deeply because of what he had done to his sister. Two years later, when Absalom's sheep were being sheared at Baal Hazor near Ephraim, Absalom invited all the king's sons to come to a feast. He went to the king and said, My sheep shearers are now at work. Would the king and his servants please come to celebrate the occasion with me? The king replied, No, my son. If we all came, we would be too much of a burden on you. Absalom pressed him, but the king would not come. 
though he gave Absalom his blessing. Well then, Absalom said, if you can't come, how about sending my brother Amnon with us? Why Amnon, the king asked. But Absalom kept on pressing the king until he finally, until he finally agreed to let all his sons attend, including Amnon. So Absalom prepared a feast fit for a king. Absalom told his men, wait until Amnon gets drunk. Then at my signal, kill him. Excuse me, wait until Amnon gets drunk. Then at my signal, kill him. Don't be afraid. I'm the one who is given the command. Take courage and do it. So at Absalom's signal, they murdered Amnon. Then the other sons of the king jumped on their mules and fled. As they were on the way back to Jerusalem, this report reached David. Absalom has killed all the king's sons. Not one is left alive. The king got up, tore his robe, and threw himself on the ground. His advisors also tore their clothes in horror and sorrow. But just then, Jonadab, the son of David's brother, Shemiah, arrived and said, No, don't believe that don't believe that all the king's sons have been killed. It was only Amnon. Absalom has been plotting this ever since Amnon raped his sister, Tamar. No, my lord the king, your sons aren't all dead. It was only Amnon. Meanwhile, Absalom escaped. Then the watchman on the Jerusalem wall saw a great crowd coming down the hill on the road from the west. He ran to tell the king, I see a crowd of people coming from the, the Horonaim road along the side of the hill. Look, Jonadab told the king, there they are now. The king's sons are coming, just as I said. They soon arrived, weeping and sobbing, and the king and all his servants wept bitterly with them. And David mourned many days for his son Amnon. Absalom fled to his grandfather, Talmai, son of Amihud, the king of Jeshur. He stayed there in Jeshur for three years, and King David, now reconciled to Amnon's death, longed to be reunited with his son Absalom. 2 Samuel chapter 14 Joab realized how much the king longed to see Absalom, so he sent for a woman from Tekoa who had a reputation for great wisdom. He said to her, Pretend you are in mourning. Wear mourning clothes and don't put on lotions. Act like a woman who has been mourning for the dead for a long time. Then go to the king and tell him the story I'm about to tell you. Then Joab told her what to say. When the woman from Tekoa approached the king, she bowed with her face to the ground in deep respect and cried out, O king, help me. What's the trouble? the king asked. Alas, I am a widow, she replied. My husband is dead. My two sons had a fight out in the field, and since no one was there to stop it, one of them was killed. Now the rest of the family is demanding, 
let us have your son. We will execute him for murdering his brother. He doesn't deserve to inherit his family's property. They want to extinguish the only coal I have left, and my husband's name and family will disappear from the face of the earth. Leave it to me, the king told her. Go home, and I'll see to it that no one touches him. Oh, thank you, my lord, the king, the woman from Tekoa replied. If you are criticized for helping me, let the blame fall on me and on my father's house, and let the king and his throne be innocent. If anyone, if anyone objects, the king said, bring, bring him to me. I can assure you he will never harm you again. Then she said, Please swear to me by the Lord your God that you won't let anyone take vengeance against my son. I want no more bloodshed. As surely as the Lord lives, he replied, not a hair of your son's head will be disturbed. Please allow me to ask one more thing of my lord the king, she said. Go ahead and speak, he responded. She replied, why don't you do as much for the people of God as you have promised to do for me? You have convicted yourself in making this decision because you have refused to bring home your own banished son. All of us must die eventually. Our lives are like water spilled out on the ground which cannot be gathered up again. But God does not just sweep life away. Instead, he devises ways to bring us back when we have been separated from him. I've come to plead with my Lord the King because people have threatened me. I said to myself, perhaps the King will listen to me and rescue us from those who would cut us off from the inheritance God has given us. Yes, my lord, the king will give us peace of mind again. I know that you are like an angel of God in discerning good from evil. May the Lord your God be with you. I must know one thing, the king replied, and tell me the truth. Yes, my lord, the king, she responded. Did Joab put you up to this? And the woman replied, My lord, the king, how can I deny it? Nobody can hide anything from you. Yes, Joab sent me and told me what to say. He did it to place the matter before you in a different light. But you are wise, but you are as wise as an angel of God, and you understand everything that happened among us. You excuse me, and you understand everything that happens among us. So the king sent for Joab and told him, All right. Go and bring back the young man, Absalom. Joab bowed his face to the ground in deep respect and said, At last I know that I have gained your approval, my lord the king, for you have granted me this request. Then Joab went to Jeshur and brought Absalom back to Jerusalem. But the king gave this order, Absalom may go to his own house, but he must never come into my presence. So Absalom did not see the king. Now Absalom was praised as the most handsome man in all Israel. He was flawless from head to foot. He cut his hair only once a year, and then only because it was so heavy. When he weighed it out, it came to five pounds. 
He had three sons and one daughter. His daughter's name was Tamar, and she was very beautiful. Absalom lived in Jerusalem for two years, but he never got to see the king. Then Absalom sent for Joab to ask him to intercede for him, but Joab refused to come. Absalom sent for him a second time, but again Joab refused to come. So Absalom said to his servants, Go and set fire to Joab's barley field, the field next to mine, the field next to mine. So they set his field on fire as Absalom had commanded. Then Joab came to Absalom at his house and demanded, Why did your servants set my field on fire? And Absalom replied, Because I wanted to ask you, because I wanted you to ask the king why he brought me back from Jeshur if he didn't intend to see me. I might as well have stayed there. Let me see the king. If he finds me guilty of anything, then let him kill me. So Joab told the king what Absalom had said. Then at last David summoned Absalom, who came and bowed low before the king, and the king kissed him. End of 2 Samuel chapter 14. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we're reading through the Word of God. On an ongoing basis, we're encouraging our listeners, if you don't already have the habit of reading at least three chapters in your Bible every day. Today is a great day to start that very fruitful habit. And for parents listening, having the habit of having each of your children read three chapters out loud to you every day is a very fruitful, very blessed habit to have for your children as well. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession. We'll be right back. Father, thank you for your word. Anoint us afresh with the spirit that would cause us to have a growing hunger for your word every day. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. We'll be right back. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be
Music from the Walls Group with The Prayer. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We continue now reading through the Word of God as we pick up in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. Thank you again, Father, for your Word and the opportunity to read it. Anoint the minds, ears, heart, and understanding of every single listener with a fresh anointing so that we'll grow in our understanding of your Word as we read and meditate on it. And anoint us afresh with the spirit of grace that would cause us and that would empower us to have a growing hunger for your word more and more with every passing day. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Again, picking up 1 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. Now, regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols, yes, we know that we all have knowledge about this issue. But while knowledge makes us feel important, It is love that strengthens the church. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. So what about eating meat that has been offered to idols? Well, we all know that an idol is not really a god and that there is only one god. There may be so-called gods both in heaven and on earth, And some people actually worship many gods and many lords. But for us, there is one God, the Father, by whom all things were created and for whom we live. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created and through whom we live. However, not all believers know this. Some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real, So when they eat food that has been offered to idols, they think of it as the worship of real gods, and their weak consciences are violated. It's true that we can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it, and we don't gain anything if we do. But you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. For if others see you with your superior knowledge eating in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been offered to an idol? So because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. And when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. So, if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 Am I not as free as anyone else? Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus our Lord with my own eyes? Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? Even if others think I'm not an apostle, I certainly am to you. You yourselves are proof that I am the Lord's apostle. This is my answer to those who question my authority. Don't we have the right to live in Don't we have the right to live in your homes and share your meals? Don't we have the right to bring a believing wife with us 
as the other apostles and the Lord's brothers do, and as Peter does? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have to work to support ourselves? What soldier has to pay his own expenses? What farmer plants a vineyard and doesn't have the right to eat some of its fruit? What shepherd cares for a flock of sheep and isn't allowed to drink some of the milk? Am I expressing merely a human opinion, or does the law say the same thing? For the law of Moses says, you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. Was God thinking only about oxen when he said this? Wasn't he actually speaking to us? Yes, it was written for us, so that the one who plows and the one who threshes the grain might both expect a share of the harvest. Since we have planted spiritual seed among you, aren't we entitled to a harvest of physical food and drink? If you support others who preach to you, shouldn't we have an even greater right to be supported? But we have never used this right. We would rather put up with anything than to be an obstacle to the good news about Christ. Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple? And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings. In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Yet I have never used any of these rights. And I am not writing this to suggest that I want to start now. In fact, I would rather die than lose my right to boast about preaching about that. Excuse me. I would rather die than lose my right to boast about preaching without charge. Yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I'm compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. If I were doing this on my own initiative, I would deserve payment. But I have no choice, for God has given me this sacred trust. What then is my pay? Is it the opportunity to preach the good news without charging anyone? That's why I never demand my rights when I preach the good news. Even though I am a free man with no master, I've become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live up, excuse me, I too live apart from the law so that I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, 
but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Verses 1 through 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we've been reading through the Word of God. You know, on an ongoing basis, we encourage you to have the habit of reading God's Word every day. I want to emphasize why that's so important. The fact is, we live in a world with many, many voices. And many of, the devo- many of the voices we hear are deceptive voices. They're dark voices. They're toxic voices. But God's Word is pure light. So when we're wise enough to make it a high priority to open the Word of God and spend time reading and meditating on God's Word every day, it makes all the difference in the world. So once again, we're encouraging you. If you don't have the habit of reading at least three chapters in your Bible every day, today is a great day to start that very helpful, very fruitful, and very blessed habit. And parents, again, if you don't already have the habit of having each of your children to read three chapters out loud to you every day, that too, for today, is it's a great day to start that very fruitful habit that will bless our children tremendously. Remember, God's Word is pure light. So if we help our children plant the powerful Word of God in their hearts and their lives, it makes all the difference in the world in their lives. Again, so many children are consuming toxic garbage from the internet, from uh, being online, from their cell phones, by the gallon. But remember, as they begin to start that habit of reading the Word daily, they're receiving pure light. There's nothing our children need more than the wonderful light that's found in the Word of God. So helping them to read it every day will bless them tremendously. Well, as we normally do before we end the broadcast, if you are listening today, and you've never made the eternally important decision of inviting Jesus Christ to come into your heart to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Today is a great day to start that very, very important habit. We hope that you will take the, take the time to, to make this step. Again, today is a good day to be saved. If you'd like to commit your heart and your whole heart and your whole life to Jesus today, would you simply from your heart pray this prayer with us even now? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so much, that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for all my sins. 
Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess, I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, I repent and I turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things that I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. In your word, you told us, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, today, I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to live my whole life for you. Help me to read your word daily. Help me to pray daily. Help me to follow you and obey you daily. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we very much would like to connect with you, to be in touch with you. Once again, my email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We'd like to share with you some literature and resources that will help you to begin to grow up and grow strong and put down deep roots in your new relationship and your new walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Please get in touch. Again, that email, joseph at afr.net. We hope to hear from you. Also, on an ongoing basis, if you're wanting to receive some of the prayer tools and discipleship tools that we provide, we're glad to share them with you. Simply email us. Let us know which one or many that you'd like to receive. We're glad to share them with you. Once again, the email, joseph at afr.net. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.